Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer as always is Chris Flannery. Two guests this week. Um, originally had one plan, but um, the news of Bob Lee retiring changed up our schedule. First up is John Orand, and John and I talk about Bob Lee's announcement, the uh, longtime host anchor, outside the lines uh, presenter, uh, who was the conscious of ESPN for 40 years. So John and I discuss Bob Lee uh, and his career. We also get into the Women's World Cup ratings, uh, Fox's uh, interest, or in John's reporting, lack of interest in going after more PGA tour rights. And then we finish up with um, a sports media draft that I was part of that uh, John also had fun commenting on. So check that out. The last part is uh, Jim Miller, who popped on the podcast. I really appreciate that for 10 minutes to give his reflections of Bob Lee. Jim Miller, of course, best-selling author of the book, uh, The Oral History of ESPN, and has been someone who's known Bob Lee for decades and has written about him many times, spoke to him many times, and Jim gives some really eloquent words on the impact of Bob Lee. So first up, me and John Orand, and that's followed by Jim Miller coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. John Orand, welcome back to the Sports Media Podcast. Always oh, a good to come, Marty. <laughs> All right, John. Uh, this news broke this morning as we are taping this on Wednesday, June 26th. Bob Lee has announced his retirement from... ESPN after, let me make sure I sort of have this, 40 years uh, working there. He joined ESPN on its uh, first weekend in 1979. He's retiring from ESPN at the end of the month. And as uh, Sandy Padway, who uh, the acclaimed uh, sports journalism professor at Columbia, um, someone whose class I took, somebody who worked at ESPN with Bob Lee as a consultant on Outside the Lines, was a former Sports Illustrated New York Times editor, called Bob Lee the conscience of ESPN. I thought that was probably the best term I've ever heard for Bob Lee. Um, John, this is very, very big news. Even though ESPN has changed over the last couple of years and and a lot of Bob Lee's contemporaries are gone, uh, it really, man, does it feel like the end of an era to hear this news. How did you take it? Uh, that's exactly how I took it. And in fact, he had gone on a, a leave of absence that he took about eight months ago, and then I guess about two months ago he extended it sort of indefinitely. And I always, I always just assumed he was going to come back because I, I just, I can't imagine ESPN without Bob Lee, less for his sort of on-screen persona and more like, like you said, the conscience of, uh, of ESPN. Chris Berman just put out a uh, statement calling him like ESPN's North Star. I think people mm-hmm. internally and people externally just view Bob Lee in that role and that's going to leave a really gaping hole at ESPN, as far as its uh, j- journalism and, and uh, ability to be sort of like be taken seriously as an independent journalistic outlet, is, uh, in my opinion. Well, we'll get into this, but one of the things that um, you hit on that's true is that Bob Lee—he wasn't just an on-air face; he wasn't just front-facing. He was in discussions with the highest levels of that company when you know when real serious journalism was happening. He. Uh, as he should have been, given that he was uh, oftentimes the face of that when, um, you know, when something broke, when Muhammad Ali passed, Bob Lee was anchoring that coverage. Uh, Bob Lee was, I believe, John, the front-facing person for um, ESPN's coverage of 9-11. I want to say that he was on the air um, 
very, very often during the O.J. Simpson trial. We obviously know his work when it comes to stuff like CTE, but for stuff like Paterno and Jerry Sandusky, um, you know, Bob Lee he was sort of always there. But he, he, uh, he went, he I was went just on say, there early in the morning, right? Yeah, I was just going to say, John, like, so he wasn't just an anchor. He he was part of that decision-making process with ESPN management, and I don't, I think that sort of maybe ends with Bob Lee leaving. I, like, I, you know what I mean, John? I, I don't know if there's ever going to be an on-air talent who would have that kind of gravitas in the room with management. Well, that's going to be what we, what we look to see. I've always, every time something's happened sort of editorially at ESPN, uh, and on, on this pod a bunch of times, I always bring up Don Venata, Seth Wickersham, you know, and just, those are sort of, you know, my, uh, my North stars of sorts at, at ESPN. Like it, when, when they start to bail, then, then, uh, then, you know, it's in, in a little bit, uh, I don't want to say it's in a little bit of trouble, but it's going to be a lot different. But they're really on, you know, the, the dot-com side. Bob Lee was the journalistic beacon on the, the TV side. And the question is, like, who's going to be the person to step in there? I mean, Jeremy Schapp is a guy that's really now going to have to take over that top journalism mantle for ESPN. And it's going to be really curious to see whether he brings in or he – it's not. It's not going to happen right away. But how quickly he's going to get, and if he does get that same gravitas that Bob Lee has. I mean, I think. Listen, I I think Chap has a lot of that, and um, and he will be the face, the television face of this coverage. Ryan Smith. I think it's very clear that they're pushing him to be one of the faces of somebody at outside the lines. And I like Jeremy Chap very much, and I have great respect for his work. But it's different. It's just he's different than Bob Lee. He 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 was younger. He came along at a different time, and he sort of a lot of times with Bob, you know, in the business sort of had the B chair. Bob was always the A chair there, and and Shap was the B chair. So I think Shap will do a fine job, but it's different. It it, it again, I I don't think you can uh, overstate just the importance that Bob Lee has had on on how ESPN handles stories. And the one thing, John, and listen, very few people. Um, I think who covered this stuff uh, pushed outside the lines more than me and you have, uh, you know, over the last 10, 15 years. And the one thing about that program was, John, I'd be curious to get your take on this, was that ESPN could always hold that up when when sort of things got serious. Like you'd have your stupid nonsense on first take and, you know, you'd have somebody basically screaming that, uh, you know, Kevin Durant uh, should be signed by the Atlanta Hawks because he sucks, you know, something stupid. But like when things got serious, like outside the lines was always there. And ESPN and its 87 PR people could always point to outside the lines as like, hey, we're covering this here. You know, like this is, yeah, we have all this other stuff, but outside the lines is going to handle this issue on race. Outside the lines is going to handle this issue on sweatshops. Outside the lines is going to handle this issue on politics and sports. And like when you had Bob Lee around, you knew that like it was going to be handled and it was going to be handled smartly and and intelligently and there was always an adult in the room so it'd be interesting to me john just like will outside the line still provide that same kind of forum maybe if you want to be cynical that same kind of cover for espn in the post bobbly era oh, I, I think so and i think that comes out to jeremy shap and i have just as high of, uh, of an impression of him as, as you do uh, and i think that he will come and, and bring that journalistic um, um ethos to, to to that the question is like whether or not Sort of the management. Bob Lee, it's been there since the day one. He there, there was a certain 
you know, he, he just carried something different than anybody else that, that's there right now. And if you think about it, from the TV side, you know, Vince Doria, who over, oversaw sort of the, the sports centers, right? Uh, you have Alderman, Bob Lee. I mean, these are these were people who the leagues didn't like. The leagues don't mind if uh, if you know if first take is screening about whether or not Joe Flacco was a lead or not, right? Correct. Uh, but but they they cared very much about when outside the lines, you know, reported on Ray Rice or when outside the lines reported on concussions, and and it it irritated uh, the NFL greatly, and uh, and I. I suspect, actually, I happen to know, Bob Lee took great satisfaction in the fact that he was doing stuff that was really, like, you know, uh, creating angst over in the NFL offices. One thing um, regarding Bob Lee is if you uh, happen to want to search something online, one of the best things Outside the Lines ever did was its work on Pat Tillman and sort of the cover-up on Tillman's death. Mike Fish did some amazing work, Willie Weinbaum, Bob Lee. Um that that's something that I can't recommend enough. If you want to uh, sort of YouTube get that off YouTube, I think it's hopefully it's on there. But that that show you you forget uh, I, the you is sort of the generic you. You forget how many great things that that show has done or had that show has reported on over the years. I'll tell you another thing, John, about Bob Lee, um, who I hope uh, will come on this podcast in the next couple of weeks. But another thing, John, that Bob Lee um, was so phenomenal on was soccer. And he really helped ESPN when it came to their World Cup coverage pretty much get credibility from, I think, the hardest markers. And those are soccer fans. And he was just phenomenal in his uh, anchoring of the World Cup in uh, South South Africa. He was great for the Women's World Cup. I think it was in Germany. You know what I mean? Like you, you put that guy on the air for three weeks for one of the most important uh, sports tournaments in the world. He was a big soccer fan. He just knocked it out of the park. So he'll certainly get credit for the journalism, and he deserves he deserves that. But he was a phenomenal lead host when it came to soccer and some of ESPN's biggest soccer tournaments. Yeah, in fact, I was just reading uh, the, the Onion in 2012 had a story with his headline: "Frustrated Bob Lee tasked with explaining the concept of Europe." to ESPN viewers. <laughs> and it, it talked about his hosting of, of, of Euro 2012, but also it kind of shows like, you know, he was, he was the grown up. He was the, you know, if, if there's a journalistic uh, thread that goes through that, um, that goes through the company, that's, that's coming from Bob Lee. And that's, you know, it's replaceable, but it's going to be hard to replace. And some people are really going to have to sort of get outside their comfort zones and uh, in, in terms of, pushing back to on management in, in a way that's, uh, you know, that, that gets um, the, their, their stories out there. Um, and that's going to be, that's going to be the story that I'm, I'm going to be watching most closely over the next couple of months. One uh, note here from ESPN, in this case is helpful press room. Bob Lee was the face of ESPN soccer coverage, John, 1982, 1994, 1998, 2010, 2011, 2014. Uh, also, as you said, reported from the 2016 Euro. So, I mean, he was part of so many World Cups. Uh, he was on the set during FIFA's presidential election in 2015. I forgot about this. Became a signature TV moment when he ripped up a piece of paper with FIFA's agenda printed on it during a live studio coverage. Um, and again, I will certainly remember he and Jeremy Schapp, the work that they did uh, early in the morning on um, the death of uh, Muhammad Ali. Um, again, you know, he, uh, Bob Lee um, was an absolute 
you know, just a class act on air. Uh, he's somebody who spoke many, many times to uh, the journalism class at uh, Columbia. I saw him both as a student and then when I was a teaching assistant there and then when I ran that class with uh, Jay McManus for a couple of years, he would always come in and be so incredibly honest with the students. And you know, he, he represented something that's just so important on television and that's quality sports journalism. And, you know, it's, I don't know if I want to call it, it's a dying art, but there's not much left. You know, real sports, obviously ESPN does some of this, but, uh, and Showtime, et cetera. But like, it's, it's a big loss, John. I don't want to understate, um, w- what it means. F- one more thing here, John, it, it, did you, um, yeah, you did know, you it's, expect, it's a, it's a big ahead. loss, but I, I do, I do want to say ESPN has, uh, probably, you know, the best, um, TV sports journalism department, I think, in the business. Uh, oh, sure. I, I agree they, with that. They, they, do it, they do it more regularly. This is a gaping hole uh, at, the, at the top of it. And, uh, and I, I, I don't think they're going to all of a sudden roll over and, and, and just uh, do PR for all the leagues now. But I, I do think that that's going to be an important role that somebody is going to have to fill. And, uh, and, and we're going to have to see you. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that... Um you know, when it comes to ESPN, is that they, they're feature producers. They're sort of investigative reporting feature producers, guys like, uh, uh, you know, Willie Weinbaum, et cetera. They're, um, they're best in class. And as long as they're, um, you know, as long as they're committed, John, I think, to, to doing like E60 and to doing the kind of work that like Paula uh, Levine does and, um, and things like that. I, I think you know they'll they'll. And you mentioned um, you mentioned Van Nat and Wickersham. You know they're not the journalism going to exist there. Uh, but it, you're right. It's a big it's a big loss today. Do you think? Um, I don't know. How do I sort of phrase? You, you think we'll see Bob Lee at all ever again on ESPN? Do you think we'll ever see a drop in if there's a like a a major major event, kind of like the Brokaw position where? He'll come into the studio on a day just to be part of the coverage if something really truly momentous happens, or do you think he's done? You know, I hope so. I hope that we do. I haven't I haven't talked to him since he took his leave of absence, uh, and so I don't know where his head is, and I don't know whether this is something that he has. He just wants to turn the page and, and move forward. I, I so so it would be a total guess, but I would I would think that ESPN would welcome back welcome him back uh, if if he wanted to do that and. Uh, I would hope that that he would uh, he would still come back in, in terms of uh, you know weighing in on some of the bigger stories of the day that 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 happened. Uh, but I I wouldn't have any idea right now. Do uh, is there anything else you want to add on Bob before we uh, move on? No, I think I think we I think we we beat that one into the ground. But I but I think that uh, it, poor Bob, we like, beat we've actually beat it into the ground already, John, in fourteen minutes. I can't already, how how long have we been doing this? The uh, <laughs> I, I I will say though that. Like, you know, I wonder if, you know, I always use my son as an, as an example. I wonder if he even knows who Bob Lee is or, you know, so I, I'm not sure if he has the, he certainly doesn't have the television presence that like a Stephen A. Smith has. Right. I mean, I, I think fewer people would, would know him. He would have a lower Q score or whatever, but th- this is, uh, this is something that will affect ESPN more than just about anybody else uh, leaving their, uh, the, the, their ranks in my opinion. All right, let's take a break from our conversation with John Oran just for a second to uh, talk about Talkspace. We all need someone to talk to, a person who can support us through rough patches or even the everyday ups and downs of life. And that's where Talkspace comes in. Talkspace is therapy for how we live today. It's mobile. It's available when you need it. 
and it's affordable. Life can be stressful between work, family, and everything in between, and it's not always easy to find time for yourself. Talkspace Online Therapy makes taking care of your mental health more affordable and convenient than ever before. Simply provide your preferences for therapy, and Talkspace will match with one of the 4,000-plus therapists on that very same day. Send your therapist unlimited text, audio, pictures, or video messages from anywhere and any time. I think if you're a sports fan, you know, whether it's uh, DeMar DeRozan or Kevin Love or Robin Leonard, um, we all suffer uh, through things. And it's incredibly vital and important to have someone or a place where you can talk to. And you should know no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. So join more than 1 million people who have felt happier with Talkspace. Finding the right therapist does not have to be stressful. The Talkspace matching process takes your unique preferences into account to find you someone whose style and expertise matches your needs. And if you want to switch therapists, you can do so at any time at no extra cost. It's convenient and easy to use. You no longer have to wait for your next appointment to talk about what's on your mind. With Talkspace, you can send unlimited messages to your dedicated therapist from the privacy of your device from anywhere at any time of day. If you're having a tough time, you can always schedule a live video session with your therapist for extra support. And this is affordable. One month of therapy on the Talkspace platform costs about the same as a single face-to-face session. Best of all, you'll never have to wait a week to share what's on your mind. All right, again, let's recap here. Talkspace has more than 4,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges we all face. To match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code TALK, that's T-A-L-K, T-A-L-K, to get your first week free and show your support for this show. So that's TALK, T-A-L-K, and Talkspace.com. Again, Talkspace has more than 4,000 licensed therapists who are addressing the challenges we all face. No, you're not alone. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. We were going to start off, John, I think, with the Women's World Cup. Um, So we'll move to that now. And I think if you're Fox, John, I think you got to be happy with the viewership numbers of this tournament. You know, forget about the – there's two different ways to sort of always sort of evaluate this. One – is the coverage of it, and that's obviously going to be very subjective depending on if you like Fox, if you don't like Fox, if you like the Fox people who are calling the games or talking about the games, if you don't. Uh, for this purposes and of, of this podcast, we'll sort of talk about the viewership side of it, which was really going to be an interesting story heading in because Paris, Fran- not Paris, but France is six hours ahead. And so the conventional wisdom was that the time zone was going to um, was not going to be good for ESPN and the num- ESPN is Fox and the viewership numbers were going to drop from 2015. What's happened though, John, is they've been pretty steady. Um, they were they were up for a while, I think, until the last couple of days. They may still be up for the tournament, but I think if you're Fox, you got to be psyched. You you've done I think better than you ever expected given the time zone. Well, especially if uh, the, the comps to four years ago when the tournament was in Canada are doing really well. They're, they're up. Uh, ratings wise, 
and it, and the, the games from France obviously are in the middle of the day compared to in prime time. So I going into this tournament, I just expected that they would be down uh, a, a little bit, and so far they haven't been. Uh, the United States team is is winning. The United States team, the uh, U.S. team, is making some headlines as well. Uh, it's creating a lot of interest, and so I, I just. So long as that team continues to, to move forward, uh, I think Fox is, is really sitting pretty on this one. Well, uh, let's face it. They have to beat France. They have to get to the finals for Fox to for this to be a massive win. You have to have that team in the final to try to go for the big, you know, 20 million plus gold mine at the end of this tournament when you get so many casual American sports fans to tune in. I saw our buddy Austin Karp say that Fox drew a uh, um, a 2.5 overnight for uh, the win over Spain, very tough to compare, as you said, against what would be the equivalent, which would be FS1 in prime time for USA, Colombia, Canada, which drew a 3-3. Through three days of round of 16, Austin said Fox averaging an 0.9 overnight for all the games, up from 0.8. To me, (laughs) being flat or up is a massive success when it comes to viewership. And I'm going to be really curious, John, to see what that number is for that France-US game. I know in France... You know, they may get 20 million people of a country of 66 million people watching. So it's going to be a major, major game in Europe. And I'll be very curious to see how that draws in the States. I think that game's at 3, right? So we're talking about another afternoon game during on a Friday. So tricky to tricky to guess. Well, all, all the numbers have been doing well. But for Fox, it's beyond the numbers because I think they – you know the, the the U.S. advanced and they advanced uh, you know to, to to the quarterfinals. They they do need to keep winning, but even if they don't, I think Fox is sending a message and has sent a message with the past couple of World Cups that whether whether people like the, that uh, how they're presenting it or not, they're showing that they can handle a big massive tournament like this, and it's not easy to do. I mean, at, at, at NBC, they spend years preparing for the Olympics, right? At ESPN. I used to do stories about Jed Drake going to South Africa when they were do- doing the uh, World Cup down there and just the amount of planning that goes into everything. And Fox is doing this, you know, pretty uh, pretty well, in my opinion, and from, from France. And I think that it's a it's a message that, you know, they're willing to spend on, on big properties. And it's a message that, you know, when these rights start to come up over the next couple of years, that, you know, uh, uh, they're, they're hopeful. Uh, they, they suspect that other... Uh, you know, rights holders are going to take note of that. Yeah, they got an adult running it in David Neal, and that's 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 they they have a very good guy at the top in terms of sort of pulling all this off. And again, I know a lot of soccer friends. I know you don't particularly love Lawless. I know a lot of you guys. You know, some of you like Stone. Some of you think he's too much of an American cheerleader. Yada yada yada. Like again, I, I get all that. That's going to be all subjective. But John and I are sort of focused on how this is playing as a big event, and I, you know. Fox has done a good job as being a steward of the World Cup, sort of in in at least the Women's World Cup in in that sense. There's a lot I would change about um, the studio, but but in terms of the production, I think they've done well. Um, John, one last thing um, that's tied to that Friday game. As we're taping this, Donald Trump, the President of the United States, uh, tweeted out, uh, you know, pretty much blasted Megan, put Megan Rapino on blast. Um, not to get into Trump and his tweeting of athletes, because I think we'd certainly do a long show. I think people sort of know where I would lead on that. But, John, I think this is actually going to bring more attention to the game. I, 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 I realize, um, you know, I realize it's not the point, but I, I feel like more <laughs> when the President of the United States mentions one of the athletes on 
uh, one of these teams, there's more attention on this. Controversy creates interest. And so I bet you uh, that number, which would have been good, just got a pop from what Trump said today about Megan Rapina. Also, it's the way that, that, that he, he tweeted it, too, because when he tweeted about uh, Colin Kaepernick and, and the NFL, he tweeted advocating a boycott of watching the NFL. Uh, but but in this tweet here, he, he, he very specifically went out and talked about how he's still supporting the team, how he's still cheering for the team. He took his shots at, at, at uh, 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 Megan, of course, but uh, he's, you know, I, I, he didn't do this in such a way that I think would dampen people from, from tuning in. I didn't think he did it in a way that, that uh, alerted people to, that these games are going on. So I, I ultimately, I agree with you. You got a roof for France to own the libs, John. Just so you know, I'm giving you that heads up there. <laughs> is, that the, is, is that where we are right now? We are, yeah. Roof of France to own the lips. Don't be a snowflake, Roof of France. <laughs> All right. So, um, golf. This is something that uh, you are interested in. Thus, we'll spend four minutes on it. Uh, Fox, uh, you wrote in your recent newsletter, which I recommend to all. You have to be a Sports Business Daily subscriber, but it's great. That uh, when Fox... Uh, entered golf, John, I think it's, we're talking now six years ago, 2013, with their 12-year deal for the USGA rights, there was a thought that this was going to be a prelude to Fox maybe going for the PGA Tour rights, to being sort of a significant player when it came to golf broadcast. But multiple sources are now telling you that Fox is unlikely to make some kind of bid on the PGA Tour rights when the when the Tours deal ends with CBS and NBC, right? So Fox, you think, is basically, for the moment, is just going to be a one-off when it comes to the USGA events and not, not go any deeper into golf, huh? Uh, that's a sense that I get. It, it, it's hard to do golf, and it's hard to do golf well. And, and they have a lot of other, uh, you know, in the fall, they have, they have college football in the NFL. They have baseball all through the summer. And, you know, they're not as big a shop as, as ESPN is, uh, frankly. And so, the, you know, the, the idea of them going after golf is uh, the PGA Tour rights, which I, I I still think they're they're probably going to uh, going to be there in the end, just uh, sniffing around to see if there's a deal, and there probably won't be a deal because I know NBC and CBS are you know really want to keep them, uh, but they, they I don't think that they're going to be Fox back when FS1 uh, launched was sort of fiscal fiscally irresponsible I think is a is a way to put it I mean they, they outbid on a ton of people, which is what you have to do if you're a new, if you're a new outlet, FS1 was a new outlet. And so the, the only way to get somebody to come over to a new, new outlet is to pay a lot of money for it. And that's what they did to get the, uh, the big East. That's what they did to get, uh, you know, MLS to come over. That's how they, you know, convinced MLB to put some playoff games on, on, on the cable channel. But I don't think that they're, in, they're at the point now where they're uh, willing or able to uh, to really significantly outbid anybody to, to bring the PGA Tour rights over, and so that's uh, I, I just think that's interesting because they they you know their U.S. Open coverage this year was fabulous. I thought it was a, the by far they've had it for five years. By far that was the best, and part of it was part of it was Pebble Beach, but part of it is they're starting to figure things out, and they you know and 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 they are they just you know had a really did a really good job with it. And so I thought, I thought because they were improving, they were getting better that, you know, that the PGA tour rights would, uh, would make sense. But I'm hearing that they're, they're lukewarm at best on, on the PGA tour. If they get them for a song, they'll, they'll probably do it, but they, they're, they're not as active as I would have expected them to be. Fox's coverage fabulous. It's like I have Mike Mulvihill and Mike, Mike McCarthy on the line here. Fantastic. <laughs> you know what? I, 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 I don't, 
I don't, I'm not sure if it was Fox or if it was uh, Pebble Beach. It's hard to do a, a bad telecast from Pebble Beach, but I, I thought they just did some interesting things. I thought they had uh, some drone footage that I thought was was really good. I thought, uh, you know, w- one of the complaints about Fox in the past is, you know, they didn't really tell stories. And you had, you had sort of a no-name winning the, the, the tournament, and they had, you know, I felt like I knew who he was by the end of the tournament because they just had so many backstories on him and told so many stories about him that I just thought, you know, I just thought they did a, a really good job of creating pretty good TV. Uh, yeah, no, they're, they're, they, I think critically they, they probably had their best tournament in golf this year when it comes to sort of well am i talking how, to terry hines here what's going on richard yeah how it was perceived yeah well trust me i mean i think i watched like 20 <laughs> minutes of it but yeah a great great 20 minutes all right we're gonna move quickly john it's like it's like rapid fire the ioc has provisionally approved breakdancing <laughs> amazing as a new metal sport at the 2024 paris olympics the other sports approved skateboarding sport climbing and surfing nbc will have these sports john uh it strikes me i think surfing could be a really good TV sport. I kind of feel like that that could be that's going to I think like the viewership of that might be better than you might expect. Um I think people will dig yeah, you know, the problem with at surfing, the Olympics. Though, is like what, what what if they what if they don't get any any waves during that fortnight of the, of the Olympics, you know, cuz yeah, there are all these all these great stories about the wide world of sports back in the 70s where they would camp into Hawaii for you know, weeks at a time on, on an expense account, waiting for the, you know, for, for the jet streams to work to where they could actually have waves to, to host a competition. So that, that that's going to be kind of interesting to see, I think. Do you like breakdancing as a television sport? I'm, you know, that hits me. I'm, I'm a kid of the 80s, right? I mean, I, I should be all over that. We will see how that does. That could be interesting. Uh, um, I'll, I'll, are are the kids really... today watching breakdancing? I'm not even sure. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be a bit of a nostalgia. Uh, a nostalgia I mean, that is, that, that is all of these are all of these are uh, the IOC trying to get younger, and all of these are. Oh, for, yeah, of what, course. What, what, yeah. I, what, what I do find to be interesting about this breakdancing is in an X Games sport, but you know, back when the X Games X Games grew so much through the the nineties and and early two thousands, and I thought back in two thousand at some point the X Games was going to overtake the Olympics just because it had this younger <laughs> demo that I thought would would grow with it, and uh, and what has ended up happening is uh, that that was a, a miserable prediction. But I was young. Terror. I mean, thank you, Josh Krulowitz. That's an awful prediction. <laughs> I'm going to blame it on you. But what's happened is the the Olympics have adopted. I mean, take a look at the skiing. They've adopted all these X Games sports. They've essentially like sort of like you know. Uh, gave a nod to you know what what was created uh, over there, and I think breakdancing. Well, I don't think it's an X game sport. I'm not sure if it is or not, but you know that that if that follows on with how the IOC has been sort of you know uh, launching all these new sports, in my opinion. Um. All right, we're going to finish up with we're going to finish up with this list that both that I was part of, you were not. So uh, Jason Barrett is, uh, I believe he's a He's a radio consultant. He has his own website, BarrettSportsMedia.com, where they they write about a lot of radio and some other stuff. He puts on some um, uh, like conferences, uh, and so um, he asked a group of I hate the word sports media insiders, but I would say consultants, couple agents, writers editors, 
Am I missing anybody else? Some newspaper people, sort of a, a, a 30 people sort of who have some kind of connection to the sports media world to draft the greatest sports studio shows of all time. So documentaries were not part of this. Scripted shows were not part of this. It was only sports studio shows. And the top five was SportsCenter, Fox NFL Sunday, Pardon the Interruption, Inside the NBA, and College Game Day. I had the number five pick. College Game Day was still open, so I grabbed that. I've said many, many times my top three sports studio shows of all time are Inside the NBA, College Game Day, and then there is a drop and I think my next one might be Real Sports or something else. John, you were not part of this, although I think you should have been. What was your takeaway from this list? And I'm not even going to spend time on Mike McCarthy taking speaker yeah, that was be my number eight. I'm, I'm just hoping that McCarthy McCarthy gets a McCarthy lot of Fox had, scoops had, from, Fox scoops from tech, that. If, if uh, front office sports doesn't end up with every single Fox scoop over the next, like, six months, oh, then, then they it have a, a wasted pick, Mike. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, no, I'm not. No, no offense to the show, but I mean, you know, I mean, dude, took him over real sports outside the lines. Took him over wild world of sports. All right, anyway, so yeah, who the, would be your yeah, top the five eighth pick? So, uh, so Jason uh, did ask me to do it. And I declined uh, because I uh, oh big I big timer. Uh, well, I declined because uh, yeah. Austin Carp from our, our group was doing it. And I didn't want to double okay. up on that, and uh, and so uh, um, I thought my my number one is. Um, and, and maybe I'm dating myself here, but the uh, uh, CBS's NFL Today with okay. um, Brent, Jimmy the Greek, you know, Irv Cross, Phyllis George. I just thought that it um, it wasn't the first studio show, but it certain, certainly uh, popularized it in a way that studio shows haven't been popularized before. Uh, and and it, it, it created, in my opinion, created everything that, that, we're, that we're seeing today. Uh, there, there still is a, the uh, NFL today that's going right now that uh, wouldn't be in my top five, but I, I think like, you know, from, from, from the eighties and, and what Brent did, I mean, we're still doing, you're looking live, which comes from that. We're still doing like Jimmy, the Greek, we're talking about, I'm writing stories every week about how uh, networks are handling uh, gambling programming. Jimmy, the Greek was doing that back then. Uh, they, they had a, uh, uh, and Phyllis George had, you know, a, a woman that was on on set, which you know was not uh, the, the the norm back then. It was. Uh, I just thought that what they did was really uh, and that so the and so the podcast audience knows. I'm sorry, John. That went 17th. So your number one went 17. But I, I that's an interesting yeah. pick by Arca. And right, number two. Uh, my number two was uh, um, Sports Center because mm. I I, re- I recall when Sports Center launched. I mean, we would only get like, like in the local newscast, we would get, you know, five minutes a night of a couple of highlights. And then all of a sudden you sat down with sports center and it was like having the sporting news on TV. You saw highlights from everywhere. It was, um, you know, Jerry Madeline, who, uh, who was the one that picked it. So that it was equivalent of the advent of, of the internet. And I got to say for, for like a, you know, 18 year old that was going to college, that's completely true. It was, I, 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 I scheduled my night around the 11 o'clock sports center just to see what happened. And, and the fact that you had a full half hour at the time, or even an hour sometimes going through those highlights, I just thought was, uh, was, was phenomenal. All right. Three, four uh, and five. Then, uh, well then I'm going to repeat you. I got uh, inside the NBA. At, at, uh, I mean, that's been so good for so long and, and they, everybody is trying to copy inside the NBA and they're, they're not doing it well. 
I think college game day, everybody's trying to copy college game day. And, and it's just been so good for so long. And it, 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 it's, uh, it, they just created new ways of, of doing the studio sale. And then uh, for, for five, I, I really should put NFL primetime because back in the 90s, that was, uh, that, that was something that was uh, uh, really incredible. But I thought Neil Best had a really good one at, at, uh, that came number, with the ninth pick on the sports writers on TV. Which yeah. cre- it just created first take and it created Skip Bayless and it, 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 it you know they, they had Saturday Night Live skits about them. People, it, it was only in Chicago, but growing up in D.C., I knew all about the sports writers on D- uh, on TV, and it, you know every other market sort of tried to get a show to copy it. And that begat uh, PTI, with, which uh, Tim Scanlon picked the, with, with the third pick there. So that would be my top five. Like, yeah, Sports Rise on TV was made. So just to give you guys their top 10, and by the way, I, yeah, uh, like I said, uh, t- the top 30 for, that was picked would not even be close to my top 30. Good job by Jason Barrett to put this together. But uh, By the um, way, one, one gripe about this list is uh, the top three picks came from people in the industry, and Jerry Madelon who had the top pick was with Yeah, ESPN. they all they all worked for these he, places. Madelon worked for ESPN. Patrick Craig's worked for uh, Fox. Scanlon was a long-time ESPNer. Yeah, exactly. Come on, Jason. Get it together with it. Well, listen, I, I appreciate what Jason but, does. But it was a great idea. Lord, Lord, Lord knows we disagree on a lot of stuff in terms of subjectivity. But all right, let me give the top ten and check Jason's website out because it is a fun read. Uh, Sports Center was number one. Uh, Fox NFL Sunday number two, Pardon the Interruption went three, Inside the NBA four, College Game Day five, NFL Primetime six, NFL Red Zone seven, Speak for Yourself eight, The Sports Writers on TV nine, Real Sports ten, Outside the Lines eleven, Around the Horn twelve, Wild World of Sports thirteen, Garbage Time fourteen, uh, fifteen, Baseball tonight. Um, so an interesting list, and uh, that's the fun thing about sports uh, – uh, sort of these kind of lists is that it's so subjective. Everybody's got their own opinions, and uh, sometimes that's what makes this uh, covering this stuff um, fun. Uh, John, is there anything else you want to add before I let you go? I told you I wouldn't keep you so long today, and so I, I want to hold you hold my hold you to my word. No, you know I, I got my uh, the speak for yourself off my chest, so I'm I'm, I'm good. You're good. All right, and if you, if it costs you any fox scoops, I apologize. You can, you could always blame me, which is. <laughs> Which is good when it comes to Fox. All right, John O'Rand is. Do. Sp- I always do. Yeah, that's a it's a good call. Uh, Fox, Fox, John O'Rand is the sports media reporter for Sports Business Daily and Sports Business Journal, and he has joined us today on the Sports Media Podcast. John, thanks so much for the time. I will check back with you again soon. Thanks, RD. All right, as I said at the top, we have a little bonus uh, here, and that's Jim Miller, who uh, has been on this podcast many times, the, uh, the best-selling author and writer, and, um, and he wanted to pop on today. I really appreciate it. Just to say a couple of words about Bob Lee, as John O'Rand and I did at the top. Uh, Jim, welcome to the podcast, and of course, you know, you wrote the essentially the oral history on ESPN, and Bob Lee played a massive part in your book. You've known him for a long, long time. And I appreciate you coming on. Uh, can you put into words what, one, the magnitude of this guy's career, and two, what it means that he will no longer be at ESPN? Well, um, look, I, I, I think you know some of us, you know, saw this coming. I think you and I talked about this at, at one point that um, it was definitely a possibility. It's, um, it's a real loss for ESPN. Um, 
but it's something that uh, you know Bob has come to come to terms with. He's done it long enough, and uh, you know you can certainly understand his perspective. I mean, the thing about Bob Lee and ESPN was that in the early '80s, even I mean, he's he's been there basically, you know, almost from the beginning. And um, the thing about him was that he supplied, dare I say, the gravitas. He was, even though he was the same age as a lot of people um, there, he was always older. There was always just this, this feeling like he was more, he was more seasoned. He was, uh, he, he had a more of a journalistic approach to things, um, didn't get too carried away with some of the goofiness that sometimes happens on the air. And most importantly, in times like the San Francisco earthquake during the World Series and the Pete Rose trial, which he was just stellar, uh, he gave ESPN that sense that they had, you know, one of their, you know, used to call uh, Jennings, Dan Rather, and Tom Brokaw, the, you know, the anchors from God, or it was actually started earlier with Cronkite and Huntley and Brinkley, Frank Reynolds. But my only point is he really gave that whole journalistic enterprise that started in the late 80s under John Walsh um, a face. And there was no doubt about it that whether it was 9-11 or other times, uh, when something serious happened, when something had to be examined, and there wasn't going to be just any of this kind of, you know, shoot-from-the-hip analysis and crazy things said just to get um, hits and just to, you know, traffic in social media. Bob Lee was their guy. And so I think in, in many ways um, this, is, this is something that, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a tough day for ESPN. I've already talked to several people there who have called, and, uh, you know, it's, um, it, a lot of people are sad. Jim, what's it mean heading forward? Um, Jeremy Schapp is still around, of course. Ryan Smith, they'll be, it seems like, the faces of OTL. You have the Wickershams and uh, the Don Van Nattas and the Paul Laverne's and, um, and, you know, Willie Weinbaum. There's many fine journalists who work there, many fine journalists whose name are never front-facing that work behind the scenes. But this was the guy, Jim, in terms of uh, he had a real conduit to management. He was, uh, very fair to say, the conscious of that place. If something... You know, no matter what was going on with ESPN, you know, uh, whatever first taking and nonsense was going on, if something serious happened, you knew you had Bob Lee there who would come on and be the adult in the room for that company. Uh, what happens now? I think, look, there's a lot of, I think you're right. I mean, there's a lot of people doing some great, great, great journalism there. The, the thing about Bob was he was on camera. He was an anchor. And so this isn't somebody who's just coming on camera to talk a little bit about uh, an investigative piece they wrote. I mean, he, he, was, he was really their go-to. And so moving forward, I think that they need to uh, cast about and find that person, uh, you know, when there is something really, really important and you need somebody sitting at the anchor desk, sometimes for hours at a time. I mean, look, during the Pete Rose trial, and people forget how significant that was. I mean, Bob practically slept there. I mean, there were others involved, and uh, I mean, tremendous, tremendous uh, reporting team out in the field. But he did a lot of that work, and I think that it's important for media organizations to have that kind of, you know, uh, person. Or it could be persons, but they definitely need to 
sit down and figure out who's going to replace him, uh, you know, in, in, this, in, the, in the lead role. In, in the lead role. And, look, one of the things that Bob, you talk about Bob being the conscience, when, when ESPN went through several rounds of layoffs, there was nobody who was more vocal and more protective of his fellow colleagues than, than Bob. And he let it be known. He took it very hard. He, he tried. He lost some very, very good friends and people that he, he worked with. And I think that that hit him really hard. I think that in many ways management was much more concerned about his reaction, uh, quite frankly, than the, than the, the reaction in the press because he had such an impact on people inside. And I think that there were other situations. Look, with the NFL concussion issue, Bob, not only through OTL, but just because of his own journalistic DNA, was not about to uh, tow some company line that he was uncomfortable with. And I think that made for some difficult times, but you never saw him taking the easy way out. Um, the, the one thing, the last thing I really want to mention about Bob is that Bob Lee, in so many ways, is like an iceberg because we got to see him on the air, and we, and I know you've talked to him, uh, you know, at times, and I had the opportunity to talk to him, um, you know, throughout the years. But there was always, he was very circumspect, and he understood boundaries, and he had a very keen sense of what he should say. On the record, what he should say on background and what he should say and when he should say nothing. And I think that, you know, a lot of people inside ESPN through the years haven't had that kind of compass. Most have, but obviously we know situations where they didn't. And so I think that that's another thing that's going to be missed, which is even when things get, get crazy and even when somebody, when, when Bob, like for instance, was really, really upset about something. At least management knew that he wasn't going to take it public. He wasn't going to make it public, and he wasn't going to burn bridges and, and, and burn the house down. And that's an art, and that comes with maturity, and that comes with a sense of loyalty, but that didn't prevent him from you know, sometimes being, being pissed off. That's well said. Uh, one of the originals, a 1979 guy is uh is now walking away and uh last one for me jim real quick i know you have to go do you, do you expect to see him on the air again whether it's in like an emeritus role at espn or in some other uh, at some other place i mean look I, I i certainly hope so i mean look he's in his he's in his early 60s and there's plenty of years ahead for him to do things when cronkite retired from the evening news he did this special Space documentary series and was supposed to appear on special occasions. I, I would hope that ESPN finds a way to maybe have him do a couple important key documentaries uh, every, you know, every, you know, several times a year. But he really did say he was retiring, so I'm not sure whether that's a reflection of this moment in time or whether there have been some discussions that have already gone on where they've offered him things like that, and he said no. I'm not sure, but I also feel like this is one of those things where people can, they, they have a sense of something now, and they can revisit it in the future. So I'm not sure exactly where we are with this, but I do hope that there's going to be a way for him to 
be in the arena at least from time to time. Jim Miller is the uh, the best-selling author and writer, who uh, podcaster. Check out Origins Consultant. Uh, he's been on this podcast many times. Knows Bob Lee very very well. Has written about him many many times. Jim, thanks for popping on for a couple minutes to give oh, you. Thanks for having me. Reflections of Bob Lee, and uh, we will talk soon, both uh, on this podcast and uh, and off the air as well. Have a good day, Jim. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to uh, my two guests, John O'Ran and Jim Miller. Thanks to Chris Flannery as well. Uh, we've had a pretty good run of guests lately, so uh, if you haven't uh, checked the podcast out, please do. Last week was uh, Michael Grange and Killian on how to cover a championship uh, team. They cover the Raptors and the Warriors respectfully. Mark Feinsand has got a new book out in the Yankees about that book and um, what baseball writing is like in 2019. Before that, Taylor Twelman, the uh, fine ESPN soccer analyst on coverage of the Women's World Cup. And then Jen Jen Hildreth, who's calling the Women's World Cup. James Andrew Miller, who's on this podcast. Uh, And then just go down the list from uh, Taylor Rooks, Jim Ross, Paul Heyman, Renee Young. If you're interested in wrestling, uh, Jamel Hill, Rick Riley, Ron McLean, Jason Benetti. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. But check it out. The only way this podcast continues is um, is if you subscribe to it. And if you leave reviews about uh, what you like. And if you don't like it, well, don't leave a review then, because that's not going to help me at all. Uh, lastly, um, in uh, Toronto, the people obviously who know about my work at uh, 590, um, Bob McCowan has uh, left Rogers and left Primetime Sports. Just an absolute icon in the business. Um, I said my words on Twitter uh, so if you're interested in my thoughts on Bob, uh, please check that out. But as I said, he was incredible to my family and, um, I would not be in Toronto without him. And it was just a great honor to be sitting next to him for a year. Um, I learned a lot and, um, and as long as I broadcast in Canada, I'm going to, I'm going to take a part of him with me. So I thank him uh, very much, but he knows that and we'll certainly continue to be friends. All right, so for everybody Cadence 13, for my guests on this podcast, I appreciate their time very much. This is Richard Deitch. We'll see you again on the Sports Media Podcast.